It took more than a month for your favorite hockey team to finally lose a game, so let's not go overboard here. At the same time, there's something about that loss in Dallas over the weekend that might have exposed a real shortcoming. It also might not have. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. The Penguins lost to the Stars 3-2, and it, it wasn't pretty. Strictly in the sense that they had the early 2-0 lead, it felt like so many other games during the winning streak where they would jump out to this big league. And inevitably, you expect the other team to come back and push a little bit. What you don't expect is for the other team to find something about your side that might not stand the test of time. To Mike Sullivan's credit, Beforehand, he and his coaching staff had correctly identified, and this isn't hard to do, that the Stars are really good in front of your net. I mean, they have Joe Pavelski, so they're going to be good in front of your net. Pavelski's not the biggest dude, but he's easily the NHL's craftiest guy in front in terms of deflections, rebounds, and every other form of getting the puck into the net one way or another. So between that and some of the size and the bulk that the Stars have, they were going to be a threat in this regard. And you would have liked for the Penguins to be able to manage that threat better than they ended up doing. I'm going to repeat here. I'm not going overboard. I covered most of the 10 wins, including the last couple, the one last Thursday in Philadelphia. And this team is really, really good. And they're going to continue to be really, really good. But if the objective is to win a Stanley Cup, as it very much should be, you got to be looking to cross all the T's and dot all the I's. So it's fair to look back at this, I think, and wonder if there's something else the Penguins could do from a personnel standpoint toward taking care of the front of that or if that sort of thing is overblown. Here's what Marcus Patterson had to say in Dallas after the game on this count, meaning the Stars' heavy forecheck and their heavy presence in front of the net. I I think their forecheck was good, but I think our breakouts was pretty good, especially early on. Um, Maybe later in the game they got a little bit... um, Got a couple of licks on us, but I think uh, as the game went on, we we uh, we handled their forecheck pretty well. I think the net fronts they ended up winning them. I think we we won a couple on on their net fronts too. But um, yeah, so they they got to a couple of rebounds and and pucks laying there. So um, yeah, we we definitely lost our own net front. Guy is a truth teller. If I haven't said that a million times, one of my favorite things about Marcus is you're not going to get BS. He was disappointed. After this, he and the rest of the defensemen took Sullivan's challenge before the game seriously. And the fact that the Stars ended up making their big three goal comeback in large part on the weight of all that weight 
yeah, that's that's going to feel like more of a letdown than if, you know, they had just plain old lost the game. But how important really is this? This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. If you paid careful attention to what Marcus said, the first thing he brought up was the Penguins' breakouts early. And he's right. The Stars did come with their heavy forecheck, and it didn't matter because the Penguins were moving the puck quickly and efficiently out of the zone, meaning not only the defensemen but also the forwards. Once the forwards were in the right spots for the breakout, they got the puck, they found a way to move it into the neutral zone. End forecheck. Now, later on, the Stars were able to get a little bit more of a sustained forecheck, but it's not like they were overwhelming anybody. The Penguins stayed kind of steady in this regard. Where they lost it was in front of the net. Now, if this program were called Daily Shot of Penguins circa 1977, we'd be talking about how the team needs to add... Ooh, let me throw a good name at you from the past. Jim Kite. Remember that? Big defenseman for the original Winnipeg Jets. Like 6'6", would fight, cheap shot guy. Couldn't hear. Just throwing that in parenthetically. He was actually one of the more amazing stories in the league because of that. But big dude, okay? Just all he would do is plant himself in front of his own net. And if someone ventured into that territory, he would kill them. Okay? (laughs) I don't even know if I'm exaggerating. For those of you who remember his style, he would just kill them. Chris Pronger, who came along later, was a similar type of defenseman. Pronger could do a lot more than Kite. But he was the 6'6 guy that you put in front and... He was just merciless with the stick. Would get away with it nonstop because officials were just so used to it. So for those of us who go back in hockey, we're going to remember this sort of thing as the solution. And we're going to pine for someone like an Eric Goodbranson as soon as a game like this happens because he could also fight in addition to killing people when they came to the front of the net. Problem with those guys is that is that this sort of thing tends to be their only discernible skill. So what you really need is someone who's kind of big, strong, but can also do the other things, skate and create and join the rush and everything else. And oh no, here I go again. Oh no, I'm going to do it. Yeah. This is what I loved about Cody Cece. One of the many things that I loved about Cody Cece. He was a nasty SOB in front of the net, and you probably didn't even really notice it all that much. Why? Because he could also play hockey. Wasn't the greatest hockey player, but could do a lot of things, and he could do a lot of things that this team needed and might still need. Now, 
in parentheses here, I can freely share that CC is not having a good season in Edmonton, and it looks like a classic Edmonton overpay and all that other stuff. Great. Doesn't change my point. End parentheses. If this is going to be an issue for the Penguins, is going to get exposed only against heavier teams. Stands to reason. And there really aren't that many in the NHL, and there are even fewer in terms of ratio in the Eastern Conference. You could probably point to Tampa and Washington, and even then, the Lightning and the Capitals aren't as heavy as they were a couple of years ago. This tends to be more of a Western Conference thing, and it's been that way for about a decade. Well, the Western Conference doesn't win the Cup very often. And the Western Conference, again, if you just look at the league's overall standings, is down. It's not as good a set of 16 teams as what you've got in this conference. So how much does this matter? I don't know. But I do know that this team is relying on, and I'm not going to pick on him here, because he's been good to date. Chad Ruedel to be a top six guy. And I'm not loving that. This team is five and a half lines deep at forward. So all anybody talks about when they say what might Ron Hextall add between you know, now and the playoffs or as they approach the trade deadline, everyone just focuses on backup goaltender. Well, that's obvious. It couldn't be more obvious that Hextall needs to get somebody to either push or replace Casey DeSmith. But I'm going to stubbornly stand by my months-long stance that the top six isn't going to have Ruedel in it. And I say that respectfully, repeating that he's been good. I'm not blind, okay? But I liked this defensive core when it had CeCe. I saw six solid NHL defensemen who could do a lot of things, including clear the net. So CeCe's not going to be the guy who comes back in a trade. But someone right-handed in that mold, yeah, I'd take that. I'd take that in a heartbeat for any one of these forwards who's on the fourth or fifth lines currently. When we come back, just one question. Just one question that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com/dk. FuboTV.com/dk. And today's J1Q comes from Ryan, who asks, between Zach Aston Reese and Danton Heinen, who would you rather bring back next year? I know ZAR is fantastic defensively, but he doesn't produce much. Not a knock on him. He's he's just, uh, I feel like if we can get Heinen or him at a similar rate, I'd rather sign Heinen. Seems like he can play on that fourth line just fine and has a lot more versatility up and down the lineup. You know, 
this one's a little bit too easy for me. Um, that's how it feels. Maybe it, it shouldn't be. Maybe someone could sell me on the idea of shot suppression being equivalent to shot creation. But as you clearly are, I'm aware of what Aston Reese can do in the defensive zone. Now, I'm aware that he keeps teams from creating their own offense. And mathematically, obviously, a shot suppressed is the same as a shot created. Just kind of logical. But it just feels like, to me, that it's a simpler skill to attain or acquire and that it wouldn't be as valuable to you as a team. And this doesn't even take into account that I feel Heinen's been a pretty responsible defensive citizen. You know, he's not going to do the things that Aston Reese does, but if he can take care of his own end and create not just the shots, but the goals that he's getting. And maybe this isn't the best time to talk about his goal scoring because between Philadelphia and Dallas, he had a bunch of chances that didn't go in, including the big one, obviously, in the third period early against the Stars that would have put the Penguins up 3-1. to one. But he's shown that he can really shoot a hockey puck. He's shown that he can finish. He's a stand-up, sturdy, strong skater who takes care of his own end. For me, the answer to this is Heinen. And again, it wasn't all that hard. The part that will be hard, though, Ryan, is that this question that you pose will be thrown at Ron Hextall and Brian Burke at season's end in multiple ways because... These players that have contracts expiring at the end of this season, we're not even mentioning Evan Rodriguez, Brian Rust, oh, and by the way, for that matter, Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, these are going to make for some difficult decisions. This one, this one's a breeze. I appreciate the question, Ryan. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one tomorrow in advance of the game in Anaheim. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.